Warning, the following podcast may contain spoilers. Listener discretion is advised. Anything interesting on the news last night? Ladies and gentlemen, please, if you want to know what I have to say, it would probably help if you could hear me. I'm going to tell you two things, both of which you probably already know. First, this is important. I am not the Green Arrow. If you're not the Green Arrow, then who is? Who is the Green Arrow? Number two, photos can be doctored. They could have put Bruce Wayne's head on that body. Has Bruce Wayne left Gotham to hang out in Star City recently? No. Now, if I was running around the city during the day and managing it as mayor while running around at night frightening criminals as a vigilante, that really would make me a superhero. But I'm not. I'm just the mayor. Thank you very much. Welcome, Primers, to this issue 79 of the DC Primetime Podcast, coming to you a day late. Uh, We apologize for that. At the time you're listening to this, Supergirl will have already aired uh, for this week, and you'll be listening to our recap of last week's Supergirl, if not some of the other shows, by the time you do get to listen to this. Uh, But, uh, again, we apologize for that. Some of us were not feeling, and namely me, uh, was not really feeling all too well this weekend, suffering from a... uh, a pretty significant migraine that probably would have killed a horse. Uh, it's okay. I was just tired. <laughs> so tired and or hung over. No, I just tired. <laughs> uh, Cause I was, I was hosting a bachelor party that started at three o'clock in the afternoon and wrapped up at five thirty in the morning on <laughs> Sunday. That is crazy. Yeah. Yeah. So, it was a good time. Everybody had a good time. It was just tiring. Was yeah, very tiring. I'm sure. Uh, but introductions, I am, of course, Ben Beck from the Showcast Spotlight here on the Next Level Podcast Network. And from the Caffeine Crew Cast of Pods, I am Rob Martin. And I want to say, before we get into the shows, there's two things I want to bring up really, really quickly. Uh, we talked a little bit about the Extra Life thing that we have going on and how two of the prizes are uh, artwork by Brian Roll to um one of them is Stephen Amell as Green Arrow one of them is John Barrowman as uh Malcolm Merlin and Rob I haven't even told you about this yet uh, I had said in our video that we put out that even though I wasn't able to get them signed in Secaucus that if I go to Atlanta next month for November uh for Heroes and Villains again I will get them signed in Atlanta well the official word has just come through and I will be getting them signed in Atlanta there you go. So. I'm, I'm headed back to Atlanta for Heroes and Villains again this year. Not sure uh, what panels I'm going to have as FanFest right now is gearing up for uh, Walker Stalker Atlanta, which is this coming weekend and is by far their biggest convention of the year. So they're they're concentrating on that right now. So over the course of the next couple of weeks, I should be getting word as to what panels I'll be getting in Atlanta. But 
um, I know some of our listeners that I've talked to uh, who are relatively new to the podcast are from Atlanta. That's actually where I met them uh, and got them uh, introduced to our podcast in Atlanta. So hopefully I get to see those guys again next year and we get some more content and I get those pictures signed for our winners, which is even better. Yeah, yeah, uh, which is, you know, let's just do it now. We are less than 25 days out, so I think we're at, like, 20, maybe 19 days to go until Extra Life. And, uh, guys, come, uh, you know, just uh, make sure you're hitting those links. Share some stuff. We've got awesome stuff to give away, and I think there's only six entries. So right now, people's chances are really good. We're, we're going to have a lot more this week because I have two emails, uh, two mass emails that I've been meeting to send out. And I haven't sent them out yet. So um, if you want a shot at them, I can tell you right now, when I send out those two mass emails, there's going to be a lot more entries and your chances of winning are going um, are going to go down unless you you donate. So uh, this week is the time to donate to our Extra Life charity if you want a shot at winning any of this cool stuff. Yeah, and like I said, shipping costs are completely covered by us. Anything that you donate goes 100% to the Children's Miracle Network Hospitals. Uh, and uh, so, yeah, it's a really, really good incentive. And especially if we're getting closer and closer to Thanksgiving, this is a really awesome thing. If you want to do something great for somebody, this is a really good thing you can do. Um, so, yeah. It, and, and hey, look at it this way. If you even just know somebody that loves one of these shows and you're a listener as well, what an awesome Christmas gift if you win one of these raffles. Yeah. Uh, so, you, again, $10 for one entry. That's not a bad deal. And then 50 bucks is 10 So, incredible. Increasingly, increasingly allowing yourself to uh, to make a couple a uh, couple higher chances in getting in on this. But uh, again, I'm just going to bring it up here. We won't even bother. I'll bring it up at the end of the show too. But www.extra-life.org, and then to search in that player field, just search Ben Space Beck, and then in that message, just write DC Prime Time, and we will take care of the rest. Super easy, and we will be pushing them like crazy. So expect to hear a lot about this the next couple weeks. Yeah, this and, is our our big thing, and we are really close to hitting five grand. So. And I I can tell you, last year you and I put uh, put our money together, and we sent some of our most loyal listeners uh, Christmas gifts mm-hmm. last year, which was a lot of fun. And I think that's something we're probably going to do this year. Absolutely. Uh, and uh, we'll we'll step it up a little bit too. I think I got a couple ideas for some little tchotchkes we can send out to some of our listeners, but. Uh, I can tell you right now that uh, loyal listener a lot, if you donate to Extra Life, you may get your name on our Christmas list. Yeah, that's probably a good <laughs> chance. It's honestly, again, we really love, as many of you guys know, we love paying it back to the community whenever we can. Uh, this is the one time we will really, really, really ask you for something. And and not even just ask, just, just plead with you guys, because it's one of those things that it means just a lot to us. And it's for an amazing cause that both Ben and I have been a part of for a really long time. And uh, this is a year because of how much things have happened natural disaster wise and all children's miracle network has been massively impacted and affected. Um, You know, there are hospitals for, you know, CMNH in Puerto Rico, in Texas, in Florida, all these places really, really need any help that they can get. Um, So giving into here is something that really helps out. So, yeah, absolutely. Uh, and in terms of uh, Extra Life and the prizes that we have, I'll use this as a segue to the other thing I wanted to mention real quick. Uh, one of the prizes that we have was uh, given to us, was donated to us by uh, Drew Powell, Butch Gilzine, a.k.a. Solomon Grundy. I don't know, Rob, if you had the chance to watch it, uh, as it is on our, our shared network. Uh, I, I, I have watched 
the the sequence when he first makes his debut. Uh, I want to say that every I watch the entire episode, I will rewatch that episode over and over again for Drew as Solomon Grundy. I'm not just saying this because I'm biased because of our friendship with Drew. I don't know about you. You might feel differently. He nailed it. Yeah, he looked he, good. He looked he, really good. He, he is a, a live-action persona of Solomon Grundy. The show got it right with Drew. I don't. I can't picture anybody else playing that part now after seeing him debut as Grundy. Yeah, he, he did. He did a great job. He's so got very the man- very happy. He's got the mannerisms down. He's got the voice down. Even though I'm sure there's probably some post uh, editing of his voice. Um, but he's got the voice down. He's got the the mannerisms down. He he plays the part like a scary monster, but also has some humorous moments, especially with him Enigma. Uh, this is basically my Gotham minute since we don't get to talk the show anymore. But just for Drew as Grundy alone, I, I would have given this episode a legend. Yeah, that's that's, yeah, that's awesome. Me. So, uh, but speaking of ratings and the shows, let's jump into it. We have four shows we're going to talk about, obviously, Supergirl, Flash, Legends, and Arrow. Uh, and we'll start with our one of three-point rating on all of the shows, starting off first with Supergirl Season 3, Episode 2, uh, Sidekick, Hero, or Legend. Rob, what do you give this one for this week? I am going Hero again this week, but you know what? I will say this. Every one of these shows inc- it definitely increased its likability this week, I think. Um, and that includes Supergirl. Uh, you know, the downside is you definitely saw some nods to Maggie getting ready to head out the door, which was yeah. kind of sad to see. Uh, but I will say this was a big improvement. It's it's right there. It's right at that cusp of a legend. And um, I will say I'm really liking what they're doing with the buildup of rain. I think that's really cool. So we'll get into that more in a few, though. Yeah, because I have some I have some comments, not necessarily issues, but I have some comments. But I'm right there with you on this one. I'm giving this one a hero. Uh, it's probably a mid level hero. I've actually given it a little bit lower than last week. Not again. It's just nitpicking on everything. Actually, no. I take that back. I originally was going to give it lower than last week, but a conversation that you and I had about this week's episode, which we'll get into when we start discussing it, actually raised it a little bit. So I'm giving it about the same I did last week. It's getting a high-level hero, but it's still a hero nonetheless. Uh, Next up, we have The Flash, Season 4, Episode 2, Sidekick Hero or Legend. I am giving this one a legend. Man, there was a lot to like about this episode. Uh, I don't think I've seen The Flash be this funny and this on point and just enjoyable since, like, Season one, like just the fun, like the fun factor that was existed in season one was here again. And I think it's been a while since we saw an episode that just felt that strong as far as its humor and tone and a sense of just sense of adventure. Um, You know, I I really, really love this one, though. I thought it was great. Yeah, I I really can't put it any better (laughs) than that. That's this episode was just a blast to watch. So I'm giving this one a legend as, as well. Uh, next, we have Legends of Tomorrow, Season 3, Episode 2. I love how they're all Season 3, like Episode 2. episode. I love how the episodes are all running concurrent right now. I'm sure that'll change as the season goes on but mm-hmm. uh, for right now. But Season 3, Episode 2 of Legends of Tomorrow, Sidekick, Hero, or Legend? Legend gets a legend from me again this week. Um, again, a little bit lesser of how we started off the season. But, man, the, the whole P.T. Barnum stuff was so wonderful. And I loved Billy Zane. Billy Zane, I think, was like when I was kind of like, eh, maybe hero. And I'm like, 
but Billy Zane kind of pushed it up and kicked it up to a legend. You were um, like literally stealing all of my my <laughs> ratings for this week because Billy Zane is the reason I am also giving this a legend. Well, we we are on point together this week. We we are we are actually right on the same spots. I think with all this stuff. So. Yeah. Uh, but of course, lastly, we have, but not least, uh, we have Arrow season six, episode two, sidekick hero or legend. Uh, Arrow also did not disappoint for me this week. Also getting a legend. Um, you know, all these shows that I was most worried about coming, coming back. And I was a little scared last week. I gave everything a hero, I think, except, uh, I think it was it except for legends. I, or maybe I think I gave Flash a, a little step up too. I can't quite remember where I fell. But uh, yeah, this gets a legend. Um, I'm liking the direction of the season already. So, all right. Uh, so let's jump backwards to the beginning and start off with. Super... Uh, what was your What was your? Error oh, oh, your. Uh, no, it's a good point. Uh, I gave it a legend. <laughs> as, I gave it a legend as well. Okay. So I'm really. It, you know what? I think Arrow is really, really strong right now, especially riding the coattails of season five and the way season five ended. Uh, I, I'm I'm loving the direction that Arrow is going right now, especially the way the episode ended. I'm really torn as to what direction it's going to go, and when I say torn, I don't mean in a good uh, in a bad way at all. Um, it's it's one of the most. We'll get into it when we explain it when we talk, mm-hmm. when we break down the episode. But now let's go back uh, to the beginning and talk Supergirl season three, episode two titled triggers a thief with psychic powers attacks national city and proves to be a formidable opponent for Supergirl. Uh, so as it's right in the description, a thief with psychic powers attacks national city. We get their introduction of Psy, uh, AKA Gail Marsh, who is a metahuman uh, who is there in the city and is basically filling Everybody with fear. I, now, I don't know if it's just fear of the unknown, but I guess it's with we've seen with the, the examples of Kara. Uh, it's your it's your own worst fears mm-hmm. that she is filling you with. Yeah, it was a, it definitely a little scarecrowy, uh, but it worked. Uh, it was a little bit of the top and a little bit of scarecrow kind of blended together. Uh, Sai is not a villain I'm as familiar with, so I, I didn't know much going into this one when I was like, I don't know this character. Uh, it's probably just a, it's a deep cut probably from DC lore. So, but, uh, yeah, um, I, you know what I got to say right off the bat, one of the best things about this episode is easily the fact that I love what they're doing with Samantha. Uh, with Sam is an interesting character and I'm really looking forward to seeing her downfall. Um, I think this is a really different take we're getting out of both this show and flash this year. Um, the villains are very much on front street and we're seeing them from the start. And I kind of like this take. I really love knowing what we're getting into. Uh, but I think Supergirl, it's going to be very different because we're getting a very different angle and we're going to, they're showing us a character, making them likable. And then they're going to take that away. So we're going to get a good sympathetic villain out of this mix. I, um, and I think that's a cool take. I like that. I do. I, and I, I, I know exactly where you're coming from, but the one thing I'm curious about when it comes to Samantha, um, is the fact that we're seeing a lot of interactions between her and her daughter, Ruby. And I think this is possibly setting up one of two potential things that's going to happen in this season. And I don't know which one it's, it is going to happen to. I don't, it, it could be either way. I see it going one of two directions, either one, cause Ruby is going to be very important to this story. Otherwise she wouldn't have been brought in mm-hmm. and she's going to be very important to Samantha, whether it comes to her, her, her redemption or her downfall. Uh, and when I put it like that, 
we're seeing a lot of interaction. We're seeing the relationship being built between Samantha and Ruby. We're getting a lot of what that relationship entails. And I think one of two things is going to happen. I think one, Ruby is going to be the key to Rain's redemption at the end of this. She's going to be the one that's going to bring Ruby back. She's good. She's the one that's going to bring or not Ruby back. Ruby is going to be the one that's going to bring Samantha back into the fray. She's going to be the one that's going to help Rain find her humanity again at the end. Mm-hmm. Or two, this is going to turn tragic and something is going to happen to Ruby, which is going to cause her to become Rain. Right. And you could kind of see them leaning in either direction right now. I think it's still too early to tell which way it's going to be. Um, so I'm kind of curious on where that's going to fall. But Ruby's kind of obsession with uh, thinking her mom is a hero. I think that could definitely lead to something tragic. But, I mean, it feels like they kind of wrapped that up at the end of the episode and said, hey, you know, that's not the case. Uh, you know, Supergirl was the one that came and saved the day at this moment. So uh, so it's a big wait and see. It's it's the question of if Ruby's going to go that direction or not. But I could see she's definitely going to be a catalyst for either redemption or the cause of or the creation of rain. So. Yeah. And it's funny that you bring up that moment, too, with Kara coming in, with Supergirl coming in to save the day. Because when that whole scene was coming and that whole scene was being set up with the wrecking ball and such, I just remember watching that and I, the first time, because I watched all these episodes twice this week. And I remember when that scene was getting set up with the wrecking ball and Ruby in the diner by herself and, and all, and just watching that. And I'm like, oh, is this really going to be the way this plays out? And, you know, some, suddenly Samantha's going to have these powers because of, of Ruby's mistakes or whatever, of, of Ruby's peril. Uh, and then when Supergirl swooped in, I was like, oh, thank you. Like, I, I'm, I'm so glad it wasn't so textbook and so cliche uh, that it happened that way. But I so, do like the fact on how they did that in episode one. It was just light enough where it was just kind of like, I love that they were able to write it off as like, you know, you know parents have those adrenaline rushes. And I, I thought that was a great way to write that off. Um, that was a really cool way to do that, and I think that that plays out really well. Obviously, you know, as the viewers, we know something more was there, but um, yeah, I really dug that. Though I thought that was a really great little bit of writing. And um, but you know, outside of the Sam stuff, one of the things I really loved about this episode and really enjoyed was Lena and James butting heads at Catco. I thought that that's going to lead to some really fun storytelling, though. I, I, I have that as a note as well, and I have that written in a particular way uh, because I have it written as possible relationship between James and Lena mm-hmm. because there, are, there have been many cases throughout television and film and, and entertainment uh, in which relationships come out of feudal situations like this. They right. butt they butt heads at first, and then as they work more and more together, it turns into something completely different. So, in your opinion, looking at this situation, the way everything because it was it was a great interaction between the two of them, how they are butting heads at the moment, and uh, there's a little bit more about the Lena Kara part of it that we can talk about too. But as far as this goes, could you see that turning into a budding relationship at some point, or is this I- something we think is going to be professional? Uh, you know, I, I absolutely can. And you know what? In in a matter of two episodes, they've already done the most interesting stuff they've done in Catco in three seasons. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm actually invested in the Catco story for the first time in, in a very long time. Uh, you know, having Cat Grant definitely was a big part of that originally. But, I mean, it well, you weren't invested in the Catco storyline. You were just invested in Cat Grant. Uh, now I'm in, I'm invested in the Catco storyline, and it's it's great that they finally found something to do with all of that. Uh, so I'm actually on board. I'm really enjoying that. And the best part about it, 
Lena has Miss Tessmacher. Damn it! For you just—you <laughs> oh, I was just gonna say that, and you'd be. Uh, I was gonna say how great was it having a Luther interacting with Tessmacher? Yes, and I really want her to get angry at her at some point too, just so we can hear Miss Tessmacher <laughs> screamed from a Luther, and not just Cat Grant. So, oh man, yeah, we're our wavelengths are so on point yeah, this week. Yeah, we're just—we got this together this week. So, <laughs> uh, um, but yeah, good, good stuff there. I really enjoyed that too. So. Yeah, I, I want to switch gears for a second, too, and talk a little bit more about the Lena and Kara interaction that happened a lot this week. Kara constantly running away uh, to fulfill her, her responsibility as Supergirl, obviously. But a little bit more deep-seated into that was running away from her issues that she was still having dealing with Monel's disappearance. Because, uh, obviously, her running off to be Supergirl is her escape and is her way of dealing with all the issues with Monel. And we saw a lot of that in the deep-seated fear that Sai gave her this week is that she deep down she blames herself because she not she doesn't believe Monel is missing and and gone from Earth. She believes she killed him. Yeah. Uh which I'm sure I'm really hoping we get to see Monel pop up again sometime relatively soon. I my guess is we'll see him in two or three episodes. Uh, that's what I would think because they they hit the Monel stuff pretty hard in the beginning, mm-hmm. um, you know. But again, it, it's a lot of them dealing. The Monel issues are her dealing with Monel being gone. So the Monel issues aren't anything related to Monel. They could kind of just fizzle this out for a little bit, make us wait until after the crossovers, and then bring Monel back into the picture because everything that we've had with Monel is pretty much on Kara's end of it. Right. No. So, I, um... Yeah, I'm right there with you. So, so, uh, but going back to the Lena and Kara issues, it, this is making me wonder. Is because now Kara, Lena is going to be around a lot more. She is obviously best friends with Kara, and we're seeing that that butting heads between James and Lena at the same time. Especially the line where she's like, where Lena says to James, "Where is she off to?" And James is like, "She's doing her job as a reporter anyway." You know, let's talk about something else. So James obviously covering for Kara. Do we think this could potentially lead to Lena eventually knowing Kara's secret? I wouldn't be surprised if that's figured out before the end of this season. That's that's my personal guess that we're definitely going to see something. So, Because I can, I mean, I think it's still been, do we still think it's up in the air if Lena, which way she, she goes sidewise, if she's evil or good? Because I'm leaning more towards good at this point. Uh, you know, she's definitely leaning towards good, but remember, at the end of last season, we saw a little kind of twinge of evil in her uh, at the very end. So I'm very curious on what, what's going to play out with that. So it's a big wait and see. But I think that could be if, you know, her finding out about Kara um, could push her in the opposite, like, you know, direction where maybe it's that feeling of uh, betrayal from one of her best friends. So I, you could definitely see them going in that direction, which I kind of hope they don't. Um, but I could see them playing into that. So. Yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. That's, I just don't know which which direction this could potentially be going mm-hmm. uh, as far as this. This could lead into, you know, Lena learning who Kara is, or they could eventually turn against each other, mm-hmm. uh, you know, as you mentioned. So I don't know. It, it's going to be interesting to watch and, and see the way that it plays out. Yeah. So uh, one of the other things that you brought up in the in your uh, your rating of this is we can kind of potentially see the the breakup at this point of Alex and um, and Maggie. Right. Uh, we're we're seeing a lot of them come to blows over just uh, over decisions of the wedding. 
uh, picking a DJ and picking uh, a live band, which was such a great moment too with John, uh, you know, siding with um, siding with Alex over the choice of a DJ over a band, which I, I would go with a DJ at the same way. Yes, just, you always go DJ. You always so. go DJ. <laughs> that's not just because I used to DJ. That's actually I agree with that wholeheartedly. Yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm. It's it's interesting the way they're going because I don't know. They now have in the credits that Floriana Lima is just a special guest, so we know she's not a season regular. We knew that over the course of the summer. It's a matter of now. I think how many episodes does she have left before she is she is out of the picture. Yeah, and I, you know what? It's a shame because I really do like the angle that they're going, and it does worry me that we're gonna get into some really heavy melodrama. And it's a shame because you got to admit, you and me both thought that was one of the best parts of last season. The, the way that the handling of Alex coming out as gay, their relationship, all that was really well done television. Like, it was one of those things that I really just kind of wish that wasn't the case. But, hey, there's not much you can do when something like that happens. You know, you just kind of have to roll with the punches. Um, so it's unfortunate, but, you know, hopefully they don't. It, it's, it's not going to be something that kind of... Sh- grinds Alex's character to a halt when it does happen. So. Yeah. But I mean, again, too, it's it's one of those things that we we praised the show last season because of the the way they handle these real life situations. But if you think about it, this is another real life situation in that there have been instances, you know, many times where the planning of the wedding does cause the downfall of a relationship. Mm hmm. So this could just be another real-life situation that they're unfortunately throwing into the mix, and not necessarily because that's the way they want it to go, but they need an in out for the character. Right. No, that's very true. I mean, it very well could be how that plays out. So, You know, rather than rather her just randomly break up with Alex to take a job in another town or kill off the character, this is the slow build to her, uh, to the, the cast removing uh, Floriana from the, from the list. Yeah, no, it's very true. So, uh, you know, one of the things I'm really curious now, though, too, and it's kind of funny, uh, just uh, on Saturday when we were, you know, TJ, who's been on the show, uh, me and him were talking in person and talking a little bit about the season so far. And uh, we were talking about Monel and his ultimate return into the show and, you know, talking a little bit about this week. And I'm like, you know, it's going to be great when, uh, you know, Chris Wood comes back to the show. And he's like, yeah, it'll be great, too, because, you know, we're going to get Saturn Girl and probably Shadow Lass. And I'm like, Shadow Lass. I'm like, oh, crap, I didn't think about that. And uh, for those of you not in the know on um, some Legion of Superheroes lore, is Shadow Lass is uh, Monel's wife. Um, uh, somebody he falls in love with when he ends up in the future in the Legion. And it would be very interesting to think of when he does come back, how much time has passed for him. So um, that could be a very interesting part of the equation. And it makes you wonder... If uh, they're going to pull not just Saturn Girl, but somebody else back from the Legion, and we're going to get a uh, Monel in a very different situation. So uh, very curious to see what's going to play out in the rest of the season. So. Yeah, that, that that would definitely be uh, be an interesting twist to see it because I'm not familiar with the character either. I apologize if you hear my cat. <laughs> it's quite okay. <laughs> it, she's off, like, making her own noises in the background. Um, and the, un- the unfortunate thing is I can't stop her unless I, like, respond to her. And I don't want to do that because then she'll <laughs> run over here and be part of the show. Yeah. Um, but so, no, uh, but yeah, Shadow Last, because uh, I know you may not be you may not be in the know. Uh, she's one of the leading, uh, you know, the leading members of the Legion of Superheroes. 
So. Oh, okay. Yeah, that'll be uh, definitely. I I want to see a bunch of the Legion pop up I at some too. point. Yeah, I really do too. So, uh, but anything else about Supergirl uh, you want to bring up before we move on to the Flash? Uh, I guess the last little tiny, tiny little note was one of the things that actually led you to changing your score a little bit. Where, well, as far as not you know uh, out of a hero, but uh, as far as where on the hero scale it fell for you. Was uh, I gotta say this definitely felt like a part two to the premiere of yeah. this season, um, especially with her coming to grips with what went down with uh, with everything with with uh, Monel. I, I you know it was just kind of I, I, I will say this I think they planned that out very very nicely. Uh, I think they did a great job of be like oh you know her biggest fear was leaving Krypton and her coming to realize oh no 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 uh, she was trying she was seeing through Monel's eyes. And kind of correlating all that stuff, and I thought that was really well handled. And I was, I was going to say too, nice sisterly moment again this episode. It's something that we didn't get a lot of at the end of last season, and it was nice to see that back into the fold. Um, so it was great, and nice little uh, appearance too by Miss um, Martian again this uh, this episode. So yeah, which it looks like uh, looking ahead to next week's episode, uh, season three, episode three, far from the tree. Uh, it looks like we're going to be getting even more of Miss Martian next week. And it also looks like that's we... Kevin Smith, man. No, no, next week's not Kevin Smith. Uh, episode three of Supergirl is uh, Kevin Smith, I believe. Not according to this. It's not. It's Derman Downs. Really? Yes. Huh. Maybe uh, this is mislabeled in the article I am currently looking at right now. So. Kevin Smith is episode five damage. Oh, yes, it is. Which. Yeah. I really wish I didn't look this far ahead because it looks like that is the return of Monel. <laughs> okay, not so. in the description, but he is listed in the cast. Okay, so um, not as uh, so, but episode five. Kevin always gets those episodes where it's somebody <laughs> returning or something big happening. So, but you know what? That just goes to show you that he can handle it. Yeah, that's true. So, but no, episode three, Far From the Tree, is when they go to Mars, uh, which it looks like we're going to see the return of Miss Martian. It looks like back on Earth, we're going to see Jimmy suit up as Guardian once again for the first time this season. Uh, and we're going to get the introduction of a new character, that being John Jones's father. Interesting. The only other remaining Green Martian. Very cool. So let's move on to the Flash Season 4, Episode 2, titled Mixed Signals, Barry deals with the ramifications of abandoning Iris while facing a meta who can control technology. Uh, I want to start off, you, you, did, you, you nailed it right on the head. This is one of the most fun episodes of The Flash we have seen in a long time. Um, this felt like it could stand on its own. Like there was no really big continuing storyline until the very end of it when the thinker comes back into play. Uh, which quite a bit revealed just from the thinker being part of this again yeah in a big uh, bad way too that yeah. was a, that was pretty awesome and i read an article too that we're going to talk about when we get to the thinker when we get to the end that made a comparison uh of the thinker to another character which would be very interesting uh but i want to start right from the beginning because the first note that i have here is is it just me or was the apartment that that guy looking at very similar to the one from arrow <laughs> Oh, because it definitely was. I actually made that <laughs> comment out loud, and I was looking at my wife, and I said, "Hey, look, it's it's Thea's apartment." <laughs> so yeah, that's what I was thinking too. I'm like, wait a minute, I know that place. I was like, I've been here before a lot, <laughs> actually. You know, 
I know uh, those walls. I know those green pillar structures. <laughs> so. Exactly. The staircase going up to the loft. and Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. we knew that very well. That's, that's, Van, that's uh, Vancouver production reusing sets as oh, often God, as possible. Yes, yes. I'm like, hey, are we doing anything with the set on Tuesday? No, shoot it. <laughs> and saving them money, exactly. But it is our first introduction to the big bad of the episode, which is Kilgore. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, yeah, I was like I said. For, I love the angle of the tech villains this season already. It's it feels so different. It feels nice. It's a great change of pace, you know. Again, and I one thing that was the best part of it is, and you know, we can just jump ahead. Um, I love that when that whole plot line wraps up, it's kind of like you weren't even around when the particle accelerator went off. And it was this, oh, there's so many more of us, and you have no idea. Which brings the question, because let's just jump into that since we're already talking about it. Um, does this mean, is this a new way to form metahumans, or are these people not metahumans? Oh, no, they said they're metas. They straight up said uh, that Kilgore was a meta. So there so, are other ways for metahumans to be created outside of this uh, particle explosion. Yeah, I, I think that's going to be the case. So I think the team Flash is realizing it's not just Harrison Wells' fault, you know, or not Harrison, but, you know, Eobard's fault that everything went down the way it did. Yeah. Um, and there are many other ways out there. And the thinker seems like he knows a way. Uh, more than likely, he is responsible. I was just going to say, I think he might be the one behind it, if anything um, else. And when it's that you have no idea how many more is that we can just get to it right now. There are 12! There's 12 of them. We have 11 to go. So, um, I and we really were love we this. and we were thinking when this you know, when we heard that the rogues were coming into it and the thinker was coming into it, we were thinking, oh, this is going to be awesome—a rogues gallery. You know, maybe five or six different people teaming up. I had no plans or thoughts in my head. We were going to get a rogues gallery of 12 people, 12 brand new villains that are going to tie together before the end of the season. So my guess is actually from that alone, this is not the only time we will still see Kilgore this this season at all. Um, so yeah, this is kind of great. I love it. I mean, it's not going to be the rogues that we know. It's not going to be the traditional rogues that the thinker is working with. This is a whole new crop of rogues that they are just adding to to Barry's uh, Barry's repertoire this season. I think this is great. This is wonderful. This is good planning. Well, People I can't say. At the end of the season, I'm like, wow, they just pulled that plot line out of thin air, didn't they? And I'm like, nope, we've known it from the start, and that's great. Well, I want to say two things that I have on this, too. And you said it's probably not going to be the last time we see Kilgore. And I can probably absolutely agree that this is not the last time we, we're not gonna, that we're going to see Kilgore, if not numerous times, especially towards the end of the season when everybody is brought together and as the rogues gallery. Because let's, let's be honest, that's going to happen. Uh, and I, and Barry's absolutely going to need help when that does. So we've got Wally. I can see Jesse coming back into the mix. Uh, elongated man helping out at the same time. I think we're going to see a gallery versus gal like a heroes gallery versus rogues gallery by the end of the season. I do too, and it's going to be amazing. Yeah, I really want to see it. So, but at the same time, we've seen Kilgore locked up in Iron Heights, and can I say, uh, as somebody who's been rereading The Flash and going back to some older things, I was very excited with the introduction of Warden Wolf. I was just about to say that. Yeah, that was a, that was a, I I completely forgot about his character, and I'm like, wow. They now the question is, do they make Warden Wolf a meta, uh, just like the comics? Is is he? He seems like he was a little evil at the end of that. 
So I don't think uh, it, we're, we're going to fall too far from uh, the trio in this one. I think we're going to see a very corrupt warden that uh, likes to abuse his prisoners. So, Well, I mean, again, it's, it's one of those things that do you really call him evil? Corrupt? Absolutely. But it, he's one of those people that he's just he's dead set on keeping these people in Iron Heights. He's doing what he does for the good of the city, but it's just his methods might be a little questionable. Yeah, he, it's, it's, yeah, it's, he definitely, he takes it a little too far. Yeah. We've seen him do that in the comics. Um, but I'm really happy that they brought him in. I'm, I'm, that was a great surprise. I didn't expect that. Yeah, because when we talked about the rogues gallery, that was one name that I really didn't think about. I was thinking more about the villains and not some of the outside people that help or assist with with the rogues Mm -hmm. so uh you're right warden wolf was uh when i heard him call him warden wolf i was like whoa i'm like didn't even think about that so that was a nice surprise being having that character introduced and i'm sure it's not gonna be the last time we see warden wolf if not every time we see a meta locked up in iron heights uh, we're gonna see this and actually one of the big questions nailed though too is warden wolf one of the 12 Maybe he's the one that is keeping them together and is working with the thinker. So that's a big question now, too. Ooh, so that could be. A nice so they twist. could go that direction, too, and completely flip things on us a little bit. So, uh, yeah, I'm very curious to see how it's going to play out. Yeah. Very now, curious. now, there's a bunch of other stuff about this episode, obviously, going into the lighter side of it. But while we're still talking about the rogues, there's one more thing I want to brought up, bring up that I read in an article making a comparison. And again, it's very far fetched. But when it comes to this show, it's not extremely far fetched because we've seen, you know, uh, Hunter Zolomon, we saw, you know, Jay Garrick become Hunter Zolomon, a.k.a. Zoom. You know, we saw uh, Harrison Wells become Reverse Flash, a.k.a. Barthon. So it's not as far-fetched, but I did see an article that compared the Thinker to another DC character. Oh, uh, the Metron? The Metron. Uh, connection. Yeah. Metron yeah. Connection, which is one of the... I read that actually article today or two myself. Which, so. which is one of the DC New Gods. Mm-hmm. So... It's a very interesting thing to think about in that they could be pulling the wool over our eyes because in that article it does state, and it's very true, we're only two episodes in, they have not mentioned him by name yet. Mm -hmm. So he could, in essence, not be the thinker, and that could just be a smokescreen that the writers had through to us, that we can be led to believe that this guy is the thinker, uh, and that could be a name that Cisco gives him at some point in the season. But in essence, he might not really be the thinker. He could be somebody completely different. Yeah, he they could, could go Metron if they wanted to. And wow, how amazing would it be if they said, hey, guys, you know what? New gods. <laughs> so um, and everybody would collectively lose their shit. Yeah, so. pretty much. Mm-hmm. So. All right. Let's go back and dig into some of the other meat of the episode, because there's a lot of fun things that happen throughout this Um Starting off first with just the opening of the show with a, we get a very much more lighthearted and happier Barry uh, with the risky business opening uh, to him sliding out in like the button up shirt and boxers, which is mm-hmm. straight out of, you know, risky business with Tom Cruise. But one of the funniest things I loved about this episode was Barry catching up on Game of Thrones. It's like, oh, they killed Jon Snow. Oh, he's alive. Oh, wait, he's alive again. (laughs) But the thing that threw me, too, I was like, that's awesome that he can watch it that far. But every, like, time he looks at Iris, he misses a season Mm -hmm. as fast as it's going and it's playing for him. So, like, (laughs) every time he stops to talk to Iris, he he misses, like, an entire season or two of Game of Thrones, (laughs) which I found funny. But then again, he could always go back and get caught up in, like, two minutes. Mm-hmm. So um, my question uh, pertaining to another moment of the show for you is we get to see a moment where uh, Caitlin and Iris respond to an alarm because there is a breach 
in in there and they immediately run to the breach and uh my question to you is was there a thought in your head maybe a slight hope that this could have been harrison wells no i had a feeling it was going to be gypsy because we know she's going to be a big huge factor for this season um and again they were saying an an unannounced breach uh that doesn't that doesn't feel like harry harry is very very deliberate so my guess was immediately gypsy Yeah, that's very true. Uh, But speaking of Gypsy, some of the Cisco Gypsy interactions this episode were some of the best parts of this episode. I got to agree with you. I I think, honestly, you know, we we started um, the whole new thing where they eclipsed the beginning of the episode. um, And when I was going through and you're like, yeah, you know, make sure you let me know the ones that you like. And I'm like, so half of the dialogue (laughs) of this episode, which is one Um, of the reasons why we didn't use dialogue from this episode, because it was just too difficult. Yes, and I, I, and I, I, you know, as we record this and we haven't even discussed which one it is. You know which one it is. because It's very much the one I I sent you a link. And that's 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 exactly what it is. Yeah, Uh, but very notably great, great lines coming out of this episode. And still, I think one of the funniest sequences on the show ever, which was Barry and Iris in marriage counseling. Yes. Um, But I mean, a laundry list of how many people that have died. (laughs) There were two there were two particular moments that if we were to use audio from this in the beginning of the podcast, uh, one of them would have been the therapy session that you had just mentioned. The the other one that made me laugh the first time and still made me laugh just as much the second time was Cisco on his rant was like, I know exactly where I am. I'm in the doghouse and I don't know if it's got windows or doors, but all I know if it's got one of them, I'm jumping out of them. Like he's (laughs) his whole rant with everything going on with Gypsy, like it just had me done. Dying. Yeah, yeah. This, the, just the, the. Honestly, I wasn't sure what I thought about them in you know season three. I will say this though, uh, I, I really, really, really enjoy their dynamic already from this one episode, uh, and just how it's playing out. I, I'm really looking forward to it and just knowing and just waiting for Danny Trejo. To I know. I can't Gypsy's wait. Father, uh, which we know is in just a few short episodes from now. Uh, I, I'm really, really excited for that moment. So. Yeah, I, I cannot wait until we see that. I, especially that from what I understand, um, Danny Trejo does not like Cisco, <laughs> so uh, that's going to be a lot of fun to watch a, a very scared Cisco up against Danny Trejo. So. Yes, exactly, because we already know he's slightly intimidated enough by um, um, by Gypsy as it is. So to see him go up against, uh, I think Gypsy's her father's dad. character's name is going to be Breacher. I, I think it is. I think it is Breacher. Yeah, so. Yeah. Uh, one of the other things, one of the last things I have on my list to bring up, and I know one of the things when people, when the Flash was first being developed and it was announced that there was going to be a Flash TV show, I know there were a lot of people who were criticizing saying like, well, how can you make a TV show about the Flash? All he really does is, is run fast. Um, and they've even made a point of that in the Justice League trailers, you know, with um, Ezra Miller playing Barry. You know, you hear him say in the trailers, like, I, I, I just run really fast and just push people out of the way. And I think this episode, if anything, kind of proves that you really can make an episode about a guy that runs really fast. There are two distinct things that happen in this episode that show Barry's abilities and show the fun they can have with Barry's abilities. One of them was disassembling the car. Oh my god, that was such a great sequence. It was it was a fantastic sequence and it was a lot of fun to see him save the guy that way. But the other one was Barry catching the shrapnel from a grenade. Yeah, all these little things worked and played so well and that's why I got to say this episode got a legend. We saw Barry do things he's not done yet on the show. Um and you know, we've seen him try you know catch a bullet and you know, but you know, we even see that moment again 
in this episode. But the shrapnel bit of kind of like, oh, yeah, just plucked that away. But I loved even just him making breakfast. Yeah. Flipping, flipping a pancake and make, oh, you know what? I'm out of coffee. Running to uh, jitters and getting coffee before the pancake lands. And like little things that they're playing with like that, I really, really enjoy. I, I think I'm really very happy with the how excited Barry is again. It's so ha- it's so wonderful to see him so excitable. And it, it's something we got in the very beginning of the show's original, you know, first season and its first few episodes. Um, and it feels like we're going to get a lot of this before the, the seriousness, you know, switch hits. But you know what, man, give me as much of this as you can, because this is this is why I loved this show to begin with. And they're doing it again. And I, I, I'm very happy for it. Yeah, absolutely. I'm I'm definitely digging the way the direction that the show is going and uh it, right now it's a toss up, man, between what my favorite show of the season is. I mean, we're only two episodes into everything. It's way too early to judge. Um but man, right now uh Flash and Arrow are neck and neck for me and it, for two completely different reasons. So it's it's just a matter of which one's going to pull ahead and to be completely honest with you, I don't care if one of them doesn't uh, and and honestly, Legends is really high up there right now. Too. Legends is really good right now too. Um, Supergirl's the only one that's got a little work to do, but not even much. It's really close, and it's right on the precipice of being right on par with the, these other three. I think this is going to be a really strong showing for all three uh, or all four shows this year. So, and and if all of these shows continue on the path that they are on, with as strong as they are, man, this crossover is going to be amazing. Yeah. Yeah. It really, really is. When is the crossover? I forget the dates. Um, I believe it's in late November. It's late November, right? So it's going to be after Atlanta. So I'm not going to be able to talk to the guests about it at all. Uh, uh, either, that or it, either that or it may actually be right before Atlanta. Um, I think is it. Bef- I think it's either right before or after Thanksgiving. I think it's right around the Thanksgiving time. Right. It is. Uh, it's very, very close. But, you know, we can we can dig into that in a bit. Uh, shall we move into Legends territory? I was just going to ask, are you finished with, uh... Yeah, absolutely. I, I Like I said, a lot of these episodes are very light. This is not going to be a super in-depth discussion with stuff tonight, but man, I, these shows are just back to being fun. So. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, but yeah, let's jump into Legend. Oh, uh, before we do that, next week, Luck Be a Lady, uh, Season 4, Episode 3, uh, a new meta called Hazard com- causes bad luck for Barry and the team. So apparently she is a metahuman who can uh, give herself good luck, but in essence gives everybody around her bad luck. Uh, her name is Hazard. Yep, a so. good classic character. And um, even in the summer, we talked about the costuming being shown off on the streets of Vancouver during filming. And it, it is dead on accurate to the comic book. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah, absolutely. absolutely. So, uh, All right. Uh, oh, you know what? There is one last thing. I got to say, man, I love the new suit. Oh, it's so wonderful. <laughs> uh, can I? Uh, okay. On the note of the new suit, I think it's a little over techy. Um, well, I think they're but... going to. I think we only got that for this episode, and it's going to be just. Hey, yeah. The new suit. But can I tell you the um, uh, the screen that comes down in his eyes? I hope that stays. So do I. I really hope that stays because that was awesome. It looks good too. It looks really good. Yeah. No, that's the that's out of all the tech that happens. I really think that's that's the one thing I hope they keep in there. Yeah, but the, the new suit by itself, though, it looks beautiful watching in action. And I love, I love the moment too when all the tech started going haywire because of Kilgore, and 
you know, it the suit inflated and, mm-hmm. you know, Joe looks at Cisco. He's like, what? He's like, what if he's running on water? And he, he happens to to stop and he, he can't drown. And Caitlin's like, <laughs> what, couldn't you just put an oxygen? Couldn't you just put oxygen in it? And Cisco's Point like, taken. but that's that's a good idea. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, just the interactions with everybody were, were spot on. This was yeah. this was I think this is a high legend for this. Week. Yeah, this this it was. It may not have been a massive. Well, actually, it was a nice nod to where things are going. Um, but man, it was just so much fun. Yeah. Uh, let's jump into Legends of Tomorrow, season three, episode two, titled "Freak Show." The Legends attempt to fix the anachronism in the eighteen seventies in eighteen seventy that happens to be P.T. Barnum's circus. Right off the bat, we knew over the course of the summer when Billy Zane was cast as P.T. Barnum, this episode was going to be amazing because we're both big. Billy Zane fans from numerous projects that he has done. Uh, one of my personal favorites is Tales from the Crypt Demon Knight. Yeah, same here. That is my top dog, too, for him. Yeah, And then after that, immediately, does his cameo in Zoolander. <laughs> so um, it's always hard to hard to just not think of that one. But yeah, Demon Knight is still top dog for Billy Zane. Yeah, so. absolutely. Uh, but I, I want to see if this is something that you noticed, because it was very obvious in the scene, so I'm pretty sure you probably did. But opening scene uh, with uh, with Nate and with Amaya uh, cooking in the kitchen. Did you happen to notice what was on the television? I did not. Oh, really? Uh, I missed we, that. We know from the point of this scene being... Uh, about six months before the time that uh, before everything had happened, because we know when these shows first started, everything was about six months later. So this is going back to about six months before the news on the seat on the uh, on the television in the back was actually a report of the times of the speed force going haywire in Central City. Oh, nice. Very so nice. it was a nice tie in to the season finale of The Flash from last season. And actually, even this, we missed it in the flash, too, when they're at the therapist's office that they pick up the paper and like, Ollie outed is the green arrow. Uh, oh, I missed it. Too. Yeah, yeah. That's what they're looking at. And they, they pick it up and they see uh, Oliver Queen, Mayor Oliver Queen, is he the, uh, outed is the green arrow, was on the front page is that Barry looks at Barry and I are seeing. And they're like, huh. So I love that they're tying all these these shows together in just timing timing is beautifully done in just these minute little ways well i mean again too a a big thing that happens that helps with that this season is the fact that all of these shows are starting at the same time we're not getting legends a little bit later on we're getting everything is starting at the same time this season so it's a lot easier for them to put these little things in especially in the beginning of the season so, uh, but yeah, I, I missed that in, in Flash. Now I'm going to have to go back and rewatch the episode a third time just to see that. And let's be honest, I want to watch it again anyway. Um, but, you know, I'm sticking with that opening scene, we see one of the reasons as to why Amaya went back to where she was from. Uh, and that is she sees the she sees her granddaughter on the television, uh, who I guess gives her the 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 realization that if she were to stay in this time, that might not come to pass. That might yeah. be something that doesn't happen. So she kind of feels she's forced to go back to to where she was from. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that was the right nod. You know, as far as the rest of the stuff that was really going down in this episode, um, as we mentioned, man, it, it, it was late on all things. But we did get, you know, we did see Amaya kind of losing her cool quite a bit this episode. Kind of um, hulk out a little bit. Even yeah, though it's just not a, a little bit. <laughs> Just a little bit, as she kind of put it, it was that whole idea of uh, of the the beast taking over. So, 
Yeah, which I'm sure they're going to dive into a little bit more, too, to find mm-hmm. out exactly what is causing this in her. Is is this because she was out of time for so long? Is this something that could just be a side effect of this? Right. Uh, we don't know, but uh, we did uh, – excuse me, as you mentioned, we did get to see a little bit more of that um, – as the episode progressed, and especially towards the end of the episode when she was revealing it to everybody else mm-hmm. that she's going through this. Um, I want to say we uh, we knew what the anachronism was going into this, and of course they made it worse, but the anachronism, uh, I kind of predicted. Uh, we did hear them talking about, you know, we heard about the prehistoric animal and things like that, and I kind of knew it wasn't going to be a dinosaur. Dinosaur would be very obvious. Uh, so th- as I was thinking about it, as that scene progressed before Ray peels back the curtain, uh, I was thinking to myself, I'm like, it could be a saber-toothed tiger because that would be a, a circus act. Yeah. That would be kind of cool. And when it's revealed, I was like, boom, I predicted it. Yeah. It was, saber-toothed it was tiger. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it was so great, too. I love the fact that they shrunk the thing down to the size of a kitten and it's just running around. And the moment that that happens, and they bring up that little nod in the beginning, it's like, yeah, it returns to a normal size in about 24 hours. And I'm like, oh, that thing's going to be running around on the Wave Rider before the end of this episode. Yes, but <laughs> but you know what, though? How cool would it be if that didn't happen, and for the rest of this season, the Legends had a pet saber-toothed tiger? Oh, God, that would have been amazing. <laughs> and it just, it just randomly hops up in different scenes and eventually builds a love for Mick. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you see it sitting on Mick's lap as he's riding through the Wave Rider. That would have been amazing. Yeah, that they, was fan- that would have been fantastic. They lost so. an opportunity, but it was an anachronism. They kind of had to fix it and return it in order for them to be doing their job. Yeah, but uh, but that would have been amazing had that happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, I have a note and I can't read it. Um, oh, um, I, I can read it now. Uh, one of my favorite moments of this episode for, for multiple. Oh, wait, oh I want to guess because we're on the right wavelength. Okay. Um, please tell me it's Victor Garber's jab about the Titanic. Yes. <laughs> Dude, well, I think we've already seen that. I think that was in the, the big summer promo for all yeah, these shows. But hearing it again, like whoever was the captain, whoever built that, whoever was the captain of that. Or no, I think it was whoever built that ship needs to be shot. Yeah, <laughs> because that's exactly who he was in Titanic. Uh, again, something TJ brought up to me, and they're like, "Why was Billy Zane and Victor Garber not in a scene together?" Yeah, because uh, Billy Zane was both... also in Titanic. Yeah, they're Titanic alum. Uh, that was kind <laughs> of uh, surprising. So yeah, but it was still a lot of fun. But yeah, that mm-hmm. was one of my favorite moments of the episode. However, I do have another one. I do have another favorite episode moment of this episode, uh, and you might be right along there with it too. And this one actually comes with two particular reasons. Um, and that is the fight scene between, uh, Sarah and Ava Sharp. Uh, yes, that the, was phenomenal. The fight is fantastic. It's well-coordinated. The two of them can really hold their own when it comes to this. But when they take a break. The water break. <laughs> the, when they take a water break and it changes the entire tone because that is when the saber-toothed tiger obviously returns back to its, its normal size and, and, uh, you know, they kind of have to run for their lives at that point but the how the fight just ends with the two of them sitting at a table just drinking water one it's a great moment of levity in that scene but two it also shows that while these two kind of don't like each other they respect each other 
Uh, you can pretty much see the new love interest for Sarah this season, I think. Yeah. Because I, we did say, we did see that there was going to be a new one, and I'm pretty sure we just saw it start. Yeah, I, so. I, I think, and I think that's part of it, I think, is that they may not like each other right now, but they have a mutual respect for each other. They can both hold each other's own, they can both hold their own in a fight against one another. They're pretty evenly matched. Mm-hmm. So, and I think that could lead into, like you said, Sarah finding her match in another way. So uh, I could definitely see that turning into a love interest for Sarah down the road. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, You know, I guess, uh, you know, there's I hate to say it, but there's not really a lot much more to talk about except for that little stinger at the end of the episode this week. Yeah. No. Yeah. We did see, like I said, Nate and Maya kind of having their their talk and discussions and, you know, where the relationship is going and why things had to happen the way it did. Uh, And there was a lot of good humor that came out of that, too, with a very drunk Nate, which I thought was fantastic. Um, and apparently when, when P.T. Barnum is shooting Nate when he's, you know, steel, uh, apparently his clothes are also bulletproof. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you noticed that because when he was shooting him, there were no holes in his clothes. Yep. They were yep. just bouncing, <laughs> bouncing off of Nate's chest and his clothes were unaffected. Yeah. Uh, but now I will say, though, um, yeah, that little stinger, though, we got at the end there. That was a uh, I don't know what I'm looking at yet. I really don't. I think we've met our big bad for the season. I think so, but she even seemed like she may maybe one of the acolytes because it was kind of like, yep, somebody said it was time to bring you back, uh, and they said we have a lot to do, um, but it makes me feel like there's still somebody on top of that all. Uh, so who that person is, I am not sure. We do know uh, we have one member of the Legion of Doom returning this season, so my guess is that's, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're going to see... Oh, my God. Why did I just blank? Damien Dark? Yeah, Damien Dark uh, being the one that's setting all of that into motion. So and That's a good possibility. Uh, I mean, we, we do know that at the end of the episode, we meet Kuasa, who we don't know exactly who she is yet at this point, at least in regards to the show goes. She's been a character throughout the Vixen cartoon uh, or animated right. series at this point. Uh, but we don't know who she is in regards to Legends of Tomorrow. So uh, I, I think we have seen an element of the big bad for this season in the development of her. My question is the hooded figure that brought her back. I'm wondering who that is because the voice does sound familiar. It sounds like a blend of different voices to me. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if this person who brought Kuasa back is, or, you know, um, raised her up. Uh, Is this somebody that we know too, or is this just meant to be a mysterious character who? Is show is meant to be an example that there are many of these people. I have a feeling we are going to find out tomorrow night. I, I think we're going to see another nod sometime soon. So okay. So I think it's a big wait and see. I, I generally have no idea yet. I'm still not putting any 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 of my eggs in one basket yet. So okay, cool. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, I guess we can just talk about. I'll bring up next week. Um, which is season three, episode three, the legends try and protect an outlaw named Zari in order to capture a rogue time traveler. Yay, uh, Isis. <laughs> so, which they probably won't call her Isis. No, it looks <laughs> so. like they're just going to call her. They're just going to keep her name as Zari mm-hmm. uh, and, and go from there. But I believe if from what we learned over the summer, I think we're meeting our, our newest legend tomorrow night. Yes, we are indeed meeting our newest legend tomorrow night. So, so and it looks like there could be a mutual interest between her, be, uh, with Mick and her because she is in essence another criminal. Mm-hmm. So this could be somebody who kind of appeases to Mick a little bit. That'd be kind of cool. Of course, it would be. 
Uh, let's jump into the final show of the podcast, final show of last week, that being Arrow Season 6, Episode 2, titled Tribute. Anatoly returns to Star City with a sinister agenda as Oliver tries to balance being the mayor, the Green Arrow, and William's father. Right off the bat, let's just get to the elephant in the room. Bruce Wayne exists in the Arrowverse. Indeed. And you already <laughs> heard it in the beginning of the show. Yes, so. you did. Uh, this is uh, this is pretty cool. Whether or not they decide to do anything with it, which I, I honestly don't think they will. Um, I think this was just like a nice little nod to potentially setting something up for the future if they decide to go that way. But I don't think currently they probably have any plans to do this. Right. And the nice thing is, which cracked me up even more, was uh, later that night, after that episode aired, the Gotham account aired and said Bruce Wayne was still in hashtag Gotham last we checked. And then it was a response <laughs> to CW Arrow status update. So, That's awesome. I missed that. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. I thought that was kind of awesome. So. so, But yeah, uh, Bruce Wayne exists in the Arrowverse. I think, again, like I said, I think this is just a nice little nod to the fans. Uh, and is is potentially could is planting a seed. Uh, for something they could do. Because while they do not have the property rights to Batman for the television series, there's nothing that says they can't bring in Bruce. Yeah, that's uh, very you know, true. They could show up at a business meeting together a little bit later on down the road. Hey, they got Superman. I, I'm pretty sure if they if they try hard enough, they'll get uh, they'll get Batman. They really so. could. But I like the fact that they brought Bruce into this situation. They mentioned him in this situation because as any Batman fan knows, whether it's the animated series or anything else, this is a very similar situation that Bruce has found himself in before too. You know, mm-hmm. Batman has been close to being outed as Bruce Wayne numerous times, or Bruce being outed as Batman numerous times, and they're always that there's always the way out of it. So mm-hmm. I like how they responded by relating it to another to a situation that another DC hero has gone through at the same time. Yeah, yeah, I think that was a nice nice little touch, and I love the fact that they brought that up. But that was that was something to make I think the fans really smile, and it was great to see it happen. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but uh, you know, obviously, there are quite a few things that happened in this episode. The biggest being that Anatoly has returned, uh, you know, to Star City, and uh, rightfully, not rightfully so, but at at a proper moment, uh, he's using the opportunity that he can be. Because with Oliver being out at his Green Arrow, he knows the attention is on him, and not on, uh, you know, if if he appears at a place where Oliver is there as mayor, he knows he can't do anything as Green Arrow, because he's under the microscope at this point. So mm-hmm. Anatoly uses that to his advantage because we find out he has been exiled. Yeah, and I like to kind of see though that Anatoly's still not a dick. Uh, he's doing what he needs to do, but I love the fact that. The well, he's between kind them doesn't seem seem decimated. He's kind of a dick. He's a dick, but like he, he still he was an honorable dick, as, as yeah. he, he kind of yeah. put it. Still an honorable man. Um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, but I, I still think though um, there is a chance for the two of them to walk away uh, by the end of whatever this journey is that you'll see them reconnected because I he was such a great part of the last season, and um, you know I'm really happy that they're they're not afraid to keep him into the mix from time to time because he, he and it's always such a great character in this world so yeah exactly um I do have a couple questions that I want to bring up uh, about this episode there are two big questions that actually that were brought to my attention one of them is more fun than the other one it's just a, a little nitpick that I noticed and the other one is a little bit more serious so I'm going to pose these questions to you uh and see what you think my first question is is Oliver's security oblivious 
Um, we, we have a scene where he's in a limo with William and he tells the limo to stop the car and he just randomly gets out at, at a completely strange location so that he can go off and be Green Arrow. Um, is his security oblivious to what he's doing? Uh, it's it's no different than Kara and Clark Kent having a conversation in the middle of National City about their secret identities. <laughs> All right, that's, that's true. It's hard to not look this. You just have to look the other way with these shows because some of these conversations happen in the places that they should never happen. Yeah, I mean, so. there's there's been other scenes both in in season episode one and this episode where. You know, Oliver, Quentin, and Renee are having full-on conversations about what's going on in the life of Green Arrow while walking through City Hall, and his security is right behind him. Oh, yeah. I mean, like, you know, <laughs> anybody that works at a Big Belly Burger or a CC Jitters anywhere in, these, in this world knows every secret identity. Yeah. So, I mean, that's, that's, this is how it works. I mean, so. Next thing you know, they're going to get pizza delivery to the Arrow Cave, and it's not going to be a big deal. Ah, uh, make it happen. <laughs> that would be <laughs> so. awesome. My other question, and... This is basically just me being a little bit confused as to the situation. We're seeing a lot of great moments with Oliver and William. I'm loving what they're doing with this storyline. I hey, love they fixed my biggest gripe from last week, man. The Which, writing between them this week was yeah, fantastic. It's and it's so good. And I, I have to say that I'm loving the fact that they're really exploring the fact that, you know, just as Oliver was learning how to juggle being Mayor and Green Arrow, you're throwing another ball into that mix. And now now he's got to juggle three. And we see a big decision come at the end of this episode because of that, which we'll get to in a couple minutes. But my question is, because I don't think it's ever really been explained. I think it's been kind of pushed upon to make you believe it. Does William know that he is the Ar- Green Arrow? Oh, absolutely. I mean, it, it was very that was very evident this episode um he was just kind of like no you're gonna die out there doing what you do you know like he called him out on it um it made me you have to remember he saved william dressed as green arrow in the end of last season well he saved him wearing a green hood he wasn't wearing the mask at that point so it could have still been overlooked. Okay. I, again, I, I'm just nitpicking this situation. I think it's probably very clear that he knows he's the Arrow. And Absolutely. I'm just Absolutely. It's every every conversation that they had was about him being Green Arrow. Well, I mean, but um, I could also chalk that up to he was just outed as the Green Arrow. So he could just be playing into it like, oh, is that your oh, is that your second you're, you're, job? You're forgetting one key. I, I probably I probably am. Um it was the whole angle of, like, I have to tell my son to lie about me being the arrow, you know, uh, to an FBI agent. And that was a that was what was leading okay. to all that. All so right. it's it's very clear um, that, yes, uh, Oliver's son, William, knows for a fact that was a uh, that he is the Green Arrow. OK, so that was just me being oblivious to it and just not paying enough attention to this, what was going on. Play, play it up to migrants. It's okay. Yeah, that, <laughs> that's that's very, very true. It probably was the migrants. Okay. Uh, that, okay, yeah, so, that, so that was my other question about that. And it's just been answered for me. Uh, but I will also like to note out that the um, the antidote for, for the TCDD poison that we know Anatoly gave the, the, uh, the Russian diplomat uh, is ecto-cooler. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's, <laughs> a, that's all you need. Um, just going to give I'm him a high C juice box and you're good. Yeah. You brought it up, and I'm kind of now. I'm like, damn it! Now I want ecto cooler. Uh, <laughs> I still have some. Oh, I don't know if it's any good. Ah, I'm sure it's fine. It's, it's high sugar and water. Exactly, it's high C. It lasts well beyond its expiration date. 
I've actually researched that because I wanted to know if it was safe to still drink. <laughs> and they said you actually can drink it well. You just just give it a good shake and it's good to go. Yeah. Um, so it's funny because a lot of my notes for this uh, are just a lot of little fun there, there was a lot of small little light things. Uh, I think the big thing was uh, there's the two big things that we haven't talked about at this point, though, were Curtis and Felicity going into business together, which I think is a great angle. Uh, we feel like we really got old school Felicity and Curtis in this episode. Um, and I got to say this, too, just from the fight sequences we saw when Curtis was a chump last season. Not the case this year, man. No, man. Uh, he is holding his own out on the field, and I am loving watching him fight now. Uh, they're doing a really damn good job of making him a viable fighter. And this and... show this show has one of the best stunt coordination teams. Uh, oh, hands down. Hands down above any of the other shows. Legends is a strong second with, you know, with Sarah doing her fighting. Uh, but that stems from Arrow, too. I mean, that's, you know, one of the places that she started is on Arrow. Uh, and a lot of that actually has to do with James Banford. Banford was the stunt coordinator for Arrow, and he kind of spread around through all the other shows. He doesn't lead the teams anymore. Now he's more into directing. But when he's not directing, he still works with the stunt team. Mm-hmm. So, I mean... Arrow, hands down, has some of the best fight scenes of any show on television. Not just oh, yeah. the Arrowverse. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, even talking about last last week with the season premiere and him coming out of the water instead of from the sky. That, that was the one of the best ways you could have started that episode. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, uh, I, and I guess the other big thing for us uh, for us talking about, too, was the, the big one. Well, um, let's let's go a little bit backwards on that one okay, because sure. we're seeing uh, a lot of what we talked about last week, and that is uh, Diggle is really suffering. He's got some, and I pre- I said it last week. I think it's a combination. He's got nerve damage from his wound, and I think it's PTSD. And yeah, I th- they and, didn't say it's degenerative nerve damage this time. So yeah, but I th- I do think it is a combination of both. I do think oh, there yeah. is still some PTSD there from the explosion. Mm-hmm. You know, because we brought it up last week. Let's not forget, Diggle was a soldier. So this that explosion and everything that happened on Leon Yu could really have brought back a lot of issues, um, which leads us to the, the big thing that happened at the end of this episode, For um, which is how is it going to play out? Because it looks like um, Oliver is stepping down as Arrow, and he has chosen Diggle to take over. Yeah, and uh, right before that, of course, we see Black Canary and, and, and Spartan having a long talk about, hey, uh, you got to talk to Ollie. You can't be out there. You're a liability, and you almost got me killed. Uh, so now you're definitely going to see some button of heads, I'm sure, uh, in this upcoming episode this week um, when he is out in the field as Green Arrow. Well, I think so. it's – I again, I think it's – I, I hate saying it because I love the character. Uh, I love the actor and I love the character so much. I love Rick Diggle so much. Um, but it's it's very irresponsible. Yeah, he I, which knows... was kind of – that was the only moment that I was like yeah, – that, that the ending of this episode did kind of make me groan a little bit. I will say that that, that almost bumped me down to a hero um, where I was just kind of like, really? <laughs> it's uh, kind of like this felt like a supernatural writer's moment, so <laughs> – it's just well, like it, uh, uh, have them do the wrong thing. Yeah, let's have them do the wrong thing. It, so. That's and that's the thing. It didn't make me downgrade the downgrade the episode at all. I, I it, think it's going to yeah. make some very interesting storytelling as these mm-hmm. episodes go on. But it's irresponsible of the character himself. Like you just had somebody, you just had to convince he had to tell Oliver that he's got problems, and yeah. in the very next moment, he's shaking hands, agreeing to take over as the Green Arrow. Mike thought honestly was really that Oliver was going to ask John to be the Godfather. 
uh, and to watch over William if something happened to him. And then when he's like, nope, I'm going to hang it up and you're going to be Green Arrow again. And I'm like, huh, that's not where my brain was going. Now, the question is, how long do we think this is going to last? Because one let's... episode. One episode <laughs> it's... at max. Okay. Um, <laughs> if Flashpoint be... is one episode, this I, I'll be amazed if it goes more than one. That's very true. Because let's not forget, though. I mean, we did make the point when it came to The Flash and Barry being in the Speed Force that we did say that if Wally were to take over as The Flash, the name of the show is called The Flash. As long as there is a Flash, the show exists. It's the same thing with Arrow. The show is titled Arrow. It's not titled Oliver Queen is the Arrow. It's titled Arrow, which means as long as there is an Arrow, the show exists. You could, in essence, now the fans wouldn't like it. It's not going to happen, though. You could, in essence, go half a season with Diggle as the Arrow, and it doesn't, (laughs) and I, I know it won't, but it doesn't affect the title of the show at all. Oh, it absolutely doesn't. It's also something that we both know will never happen. Um, unless they actually kill kill one of these characters, and we've got several episodes where they they really choose to mix it up, there's no way they're going to do it though. There's absolutely no way. No, yeah, and I can again, I don't think it's going to happen. Too, something's, I can see something's going to go wrong in the first half of the episode. Somebody's going to get severely hurt, and you're going to have you, you a moment of tension on the team, and Ollie's going to get involved. So. Okay, I mean, yeah, it's again, it's gonna it's gonna be interesting to see how things play out mm-hmm. uh, with this because, again, I mean, I could see this going for multiple episodes, not necessarily for you know like uh, like ten or twelve. I could see this going three or four episodes. Yeah, um, it it, w- it won't get past one. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I, I can't see it going past one. If if they're if they're afraid to do something like that on Flash, where they've had clear ways to do it. Um, there's no way they're going to pull it on arrow. So okay, it'll be it'll be interesting to see. Mm-hmm. Um, I have one other note that I wanted to bring up about this episode before we uh, we talk about next week and then go into the news, uh, and it's a very important one, especially with extra life coming up. Uh, and it's not anything I know if you noticed or not, but uh, when given the choice of consoles, the Green Arrow chooses Xbox. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, well, actually, it's not even Xbox. It, yes, it, it is. is a there's third an- party. No, there is a third-party controller. No. <laughs> so. uh, but there is an Xbox One sitting on the... No, it's an Xbox controller. Oh, okay. And uh, there is well, an actually, Xbox One... There is a white Xbox One Slim sitting on his dresser. You'll also notice, though, too, in every CW show, they only ever play one video game. Do you know what game it is? Um, I want to say it's a fighting game. It's actually not. Okay, then I don't know. It is Dying Light. Oh, I don't know what that is. Uh, it is a zombie parkour game. Uh, it sounds fun. <laughs> but Not that is lie. the only game that has ever appeared on any uh any uh we we saw it actually in flash this week too it is what the female software designer um that before Clue Wars <laughs> actually is playing uh we've even seen it air twice on iZombie uh yeah and multiple other uh CW shows anytime you see it I, my guess is more than likely they have one or two props for gaming and they just recycle it, and they said, "This is the game that we have. This is what you'll be playing." Yeah. So, <laughs> so that's probably the case. But uh-huh. I just thought it was fun with the console wars to note out that the Green Arrow chooses <laughs> Xbox. So, uh, next week's episode, we have 
next of kin which is season six uh, season six episode three a rogue black ops team leads led by onyx breaks into cord industries and oh we're getting cord industries uh and steals something lethal oliver struggles to connect with william so he reaches out to a surprising source for help uh and it looks like we're going to see katie cassidy return again next week uh as laura lance aka black siren uh willa holland also listed in the mix which means we'll see her in a bed yeah (laughs) so it almost makes me think they might have filmed all her scenes at one time probably you know just have just have uh amel change his wardrobe and then go back into the room and we'll film the next one Mm -hmm. pretty much (laughs) so it doesn't make sense to call her on the set just to film her in the bed indeed all right so news time yes all right um bit of stuff here not a ton to really really kind of extrapolate on but there's a lot of little things but one of the first big things we can kick off is is we now know the runtime for justice league uh and knocked back surprised. Uh, what's that knocked back mm. reduced yes uh not as long as you expect it to be uh 121 minutes including credits so not even a full two hour film and and i think that was because i if i read correctly after the rewrites they took 50 minutes out Mm -hmm. so it was going to be an along the lines of batman versus superman yeah i I was hearing a little over two hours and 30 minutes uh apparently very tightened up uh very very tightened up so that's not a bad thing i think sometimes it's better to have a, a good clean action movie um, that doesn't feel bloated because action movies definitely have the opportunity to really screw that up. So, hey. Uh, but something really cool, speaking of Justice League, is a nice little Superman the movie cameo. That is Mark McClure, a.k.a. Mm-hmm. Jimmy Olsen, is a cop in this. Uh, so uh, so he was obviously Jimmy Olsen from the Richard Donner version, but we see him being saved by Cyborg in the scene in one of the uh, little vignettes that have been coming out over the last couple of days. If you haven't had a chance... The Flash one and the Cyborg one are indeed out now, so check them out. They're actually really fantastic and uh, make me pretty excited to watch this film a little bit more, but I think I'm going to hold there. So we're not far away from the film, and I don't want to uh, spoil too much more at this point. I'm, so. I'm not watching the vignettes at all. I'm um, I'm at the point now where if I'm going to be pleased with the movie, it doesn't matter what you release at this point because the movie's already done. Indeed. So, so uh, I'm going to wait because we will most likely have a screening of it, like we did Wonder Woman, in which I'm sure you and I will attend. And uh, we'll little do, video, yeah, we'll do a little video. I'm sure Craig will be there as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, um, I'm sure we'll do some, and that's actually going to be right before I leave for Atlanta. Too, yeah, it's, so it's coming up, man. Yes, um, so okay, Justice League Two script is already currently being written. So uh, I, my guess is Warner Brothers is feeling pretty confident in the finished film if they're already uh, moving. So that's uh, that's a good sign. That's a, usually a very good sign. Uh, and this actually even came from J.K. Simmons too, who is the one that confirmed it. That is indeed the case. Uh, that said, yeah, it is well underway. Uh, and they said uh, that's the script is started uh, got started work on uh, just I think they said about two months ago. So um, they were uh, they were already ready to rock and move. So they're uh, they're already well underway. But is you know discussing some other things as far as film universe, um, another film that's already uh, starting to uh, go through its next stages, and that's James Wan's uh, version of Aquaman has wrapped principal photography. Uh, filming is indeed done. So now they are uh, heading on to uh, the good old CG fest that they I'm sure have an obscene <laughs> amount of work to do. Good film. old post production. Yep. So post production is officially beginning uh, in just a couple days. So, but there was some great shots of Amber Heard and uh, good old 
Um, oh my god, a lot of good olds in this conversation. Yeah, yeah. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, crap. No, I was like, I was like, good old Jason Momoa rocking out uh, on set together at the uh, after party, and you know, I'm looking forward to seeing where this is all going to go. So, all right. So before we hit the TV side of things, uh, there's the last little thing to talk about here, which is a, a statement from Burt Ward saying that there is a lot more to come of him playing Robin. And this is even after the death, uh, death of uh, Adam West. So uh, the question is what that's really going to be. Because uh, somebody did go on to say, and I think this was uh, the director of the Batman versus Two-Face, which was Rick Morales, saying basically, while it's not a decision I make, he's like, I personally feel that this is time to stop these things because this was a great way to say goodbye to Adam. Um, but it's apparently to Burt Moore, there's more to come still. So, uh, yeah. so that's a big wait and see. I actually, it's it's funny. I actually heard a interview with Burt Ward on um, a morning show that I um, that I listen to frequently every morning, and it's so funny because even during radio interviews, uh, he sounds just like Robin. He does. He he changes his voice at all. He doesn't change his voice at all for that character. No. And it's so even at his age, he sounds just like Robin. He still does. <laughs> it's so, so great. great. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well. We've got a couple things to talk about, and one of these is kind of spoilery. So if you don't want to know, I'm just going to say it really quick. So cover your ears for like 30 seconds. I'll uh, be back. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> if you wanted to know who is the evil version of uh, the Flash on Earth X, we now know who I it already is. know. It is good old Tom Cavanaugh is stepping back into the costume. So, um, you know, the question is if we're going to see the face or not. That's that's the big question, because obviously if you've seen the shots of Overgirl that are already out there, we have seen her face fully covered. So the question is if it's just Cavanaugh playing it that way, whether they're going to do the face covering that you see in the poster or not. So big wait and see. Uh, but one other thing that we did see today, too, uh, we did know that Snart was definitely in this, but they showed off his costume and his costume looks very, very much like the Captain Cold of the comics. Uh, I, I, it's so awesome. <laughs> uh, he does have that uh, that yeah, that blue, um, you know, striping that's going down around the collar, um, but a uh, big, huge fur uh, around his head too, though. So uh, he is rocking out a more traditional Captain Cold look, which I thought was kind of a cool touch. So it's so great. I love it. Mm-hmm. So uh, kind of excited to see how that's going to play out. But yeah, so uh, more fun to that. But like I said, if you want to check out those, there's tons of, of shots being out there that you can find now. Um, from uh, the crossover on Earth X, so um, it makes me wonder too. Though I would love to see it. I don't think it's going to happen, but I would love to see Josh Segura come back for that episode. Yeah, it's, I don't think it's going to happen. No, uh, it sounds either. like it's been confirmed. He is definitely not in it. Yeah, um, it sucks. so uh, my guess <laughs> is we're going to see uh, Colton Haynes. So, oh, mm-hmm. didn't even think about that. Yeah, I think we'll we'll see Roy as one of the archers probably. And I would I would love it if it was Quentin. Uh, I wouldn't also be surprised if we saw Michael Merlin as one of them, too. So, so wait and see. Yeah, yeah. It's, oh, it's going to be epic. Yeah, it's going to be so much fun. Uh, <laughs> but speaking of Arrow, uh, we did see a little bit about Juliana Har- uh, Harkavi basically did say one of the things she wants to see Dinah Drake do is dive a little bit into her inner rock star. Uh, if you read uh, the Black Canary book from the New 52, they uh, took uh, Black Canary on the road, the band being the Black Canary, and Dinah Drake, a.k.a. in that book, Dee Dee, being the front woman to a punk band. But she said she uh, really loved uh, that version of the character and really uh, dug into it, so she always views her version of Dinah 
every time she's done at the precinct or done uh, rocking out as Black Canary on the streets, going back, having a drink, and jamming out a little bit of guitar. So she said she really hopes they get a chance to touch upon that with her version of Dino. So, so big wait and see on that one. All right, one more thing here in Arrow. There was another reference uh, outside of the Bruce Wayne one, but uh, we did see Curtis and Felicity have a little bit of a discussion in last night's episode, too. Not sure if most people caught it. But they bring up Python, and Python being a big enemy of Wesley Dodds, a.k.a. Sandman. Uh, and obviously we know Sandman is a coming, uh, especially sometimes probably more, most likely in that Earth-X crossover. We did see that uh, that helmet that was being crafted that looked oddly familiar. So the question is, are we going to see uh, Python in the mix in there somewhat or not? So big wait and see. So, all right, uh, last three stories this week. One of the things is we mentioned Kevin Smith, obviously, as we mentioned and uh, Ben confirmed for me. It's episode five of Supergirl when he comes back. But he did say, uh, and this is something he's talked about in the past, as far as uh, him talking to um, Berlanti and actually, no, it wasn't Berlanti. It was Mark Guggenheim about doing some work on Arrow. And Guggenheim pretty much told him, yeah, it's not going to happen. Uh, and basically said, you know, he's like, you know, Arrow is uh, very, very dark. And we think Legends of Tomorrow would be a great show for you, though. Uh, so it's very possible he, we could see Kevin end up on Legends still before the season is wrapped up. But uh, it doesn't sound like Arrow is anytime soon. Uh, I, I think eventually they could come around to the idea. Well, actually, I think uh, this story, I think that was reported on recently. I think this is actually a story that goes back quite a while. This is actually his reasoning why Kevin did not watch the Arrowverse. Um, I think for quite some time uh, or actually at all. And he said that was his big turnoff. Even when the flash started, it wasn't until uh, King shark made his first appearance that he actually tuned in and checked it out. And he was pretty pissed. Uh, and I think it was because of uh, that comment from our group time. So, okay. So all I right. think that's where this goes. Cause I've heard him talk about this in the past, but I don't think this was something, something new. I think this is drudging up an old story uh, in a recent article. So gotcha. Cause I think this story comes up in comic book men. So, all right. All right. One of the other last big things is a uh, casting news that we've been waiting here for some time happens to be surrounding Titans. And that was the wait for who was going to fall under the role of Garfield, uh, you know, Garfield Logan, a.k.a. Beast Boy. That's no, none other than uh, Ryan Potter. And if you uh, know Ryan Potter, you may not know his face. You definitely know his voice if you've ever seen Big Hero 6. Uh, he was the lead in that uh, he played Hiro Hamada, so in uh, the 2014 Disney film. So, uh, But a great choice uh, for the casting. I think he'll definitely be able to uh, pull this out quite well. So, But it makes me think, though, if you're, if you're casting a voice actor as a role on a television show, a, li- a live-action television show, does that mean the Beast Boy is going to be CGI? No, no, I don't think. Well, I mean, I'm sure when he transforms, he's going to definitely be, but... I mean, bear in mind, though, too, uh, Ryan Potter's also done actual film stuff, too. Okay, see, I'm not familiar with the actor, so I... Yeah, he's a... You know, he hasn't done as much, but I mean, like, you know, obviously his big big claim to fame is uh, Big Hero 6, so... Gotcha, which is a fantastic movie. And last but not least is, gentlemen, we have... And gentlemen and ladies, we have another DCCW series on the way. That is none other than Tracy 13, a uh, show I didn't see coming, but man, am I excited. Uh, If you are not familiar with who Tracy 13 is, if you've ever heard of a character by the name of Dr. 13, and if you are a Superman fan, most likely you do know the character. Obviously, uh, Dr. 13 is a giant skeptic. 
uh, as uh, you know, is that uh, her? Is that her power? Well, no. Doctor oh. <laughs> is the big skeptic, which is her father. Uh, Tracy uh, Tracy Thirteen is a scientist, but she also realizes she is a psychic too, and a meta at that. And her father is always kind of trying to basically uh, state, "Nope, your powers are not this, and the supernatural doesn't exist. Uh, this is all science." And her having, obviously having a hard tie to the supernatural world. So this could be a big chance to see more Constantine, though, folks. I wouldn't be oh. surprised. But, uh, no, uh, obviously Tracy 13 uh, is a, like I said, if you, if you know it, she's been around in Superman for quite a long time. She's been a character that's been around since 2003 and uh, as has her father. So um, I'm really looking forward to seeing what they do with this. I'm kind of excited. So, uh, But, yeah, CW did say... That is the next one in the pipeline, guys. So uh, I wouldn't be surprised if this is maybe the next show we see for next year's midseason pickups. So. I'm I'm just on board with the idea of possibly more Constantine. Yeah, and uh, honestly, though, uh, yeah, Tracy Thirteen's a great character, so I'm really looking forward to seeing what uh, CW is going to do with it. And and you know, it's funny that you that you bring that up too, because you were talking about like the skepticism and, and being like supernatural based and, and and psychic and things like that. I was picturing a, a movie I had seen in my head as you were talking about this, and I couldn't remember what it was. And then the moment you said Constantine, I immediately remembered it was Justice League Dark mm. that I was thinking of. Yeah, so, but uh, uh, with, yeah, with, that, that does it for the news this week. But uh, yeah, so we may have a sixth Berlanti-based show we might be looking at, so. That'd be pretty awesome. Yeah. Uh, not for us as a podcast, but um, I, I'm feeling <laughs> be awesome more, as more, viewers. Well, actually, seventh show because, Christ, you know, so uh, Titans is uh, Berlanti too, so. Uh, Good Lord, it, it already takes us like almost like an hour and a half to talk about four shows. Well, you know, like I said, it, it depends on what's going to happen. So we're going to see. We're it's a, it's a wait and see, folks. We, we don't even know when this is going to happen or if the pilot will get picked up. So we're not, um, we might have to start setting timers of like 10 minutes for hey, each show. And we, once we, we hit that mark, we move on. And it's we may have our uh, our summer schedule planned. <laughs> so that's, we'll that's see. very, very true. All very right. True. Uh, so cheap plugs. Let's get out of here. It's 10 o'clock. I would like to relax because I've had a long couple days already. Well, that'd be fun for you. I got to edit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, real quick, before we, we move out, uh, two things very, very, very quickly. Uh, confirmation of the Arrow episodes Monday, November 27th and Tuesday, November 28th uh, are when they happen. So they will be happening after Thanksgiving. So, so. when we return from the Thanksgiving break is going to be the, the, the crossover. Okay. Um, and second, we brought, him, we brought up his name earlier on, and I just want to give him a quick shout-out because I know he listens. Um, a big congratulations to our buddy Craig Lagans. Uh, who's been on the show. He's done the the movie reviews with us outside of the theater. Uh, he did another performance of his one-man show last week that I was in, at, in, in attendance for uh, and even streamed his Q&A afterwards live to Facebook, which was a lot of fun. Uh, his tech guy never showed. So he did the show completely unplugged. No video clips, no audio clips or anything like that. And it was just as fantastic unplugged because it's his, it's his life story uh, in the form of a one-man show. That's what people go for there to see is this story, and that's what keeps people engaged. It's not the clips. They enhance it, but without it, the show is just as fantastic. So uh, just a big shout-out to Craig for another great performance that he put on. Thanks. 
So, uh, but yeah, cheap plugs. So I can be found on my other podcasts as well as this one, the Showcast Spotlight, here on the Next Level Podcast Network. Next Level Radio Online dot com is the website where you can find this podcast and all other podcasts. Uh, Facebook dot com Next Level or Facebook dot com slash Next Level Radio Online. Uh, if you don't already, if you listen to us via the web, uh, you can subscribe to us on iTunes and Google Play. We're also working on Spotify relatively soon, uh, and we ask if you do subscribe to us on iTunes or Google Play, uh, do us a quick favor and just leave us a review on there. Let us know what you think of the podcast. And as for me, you can always also find me on the network through the Captain Crew cast of pods. We should be uh, prepping a probably just right around sometime mid next week. Uh, our Halloween episode, which will probably be the day after Halloween. So we'll uh, probably do, be recording that hopefully on the 1st of November, and it'll be out with you right shortly after that. So just as you're uh, coming out of your candy comas, uh, you have <laughs> a little bit more Halloween to think about with through the show. So, uh, But a uh, big special thanks to our good friend George Shaw at georgeshawmusic.com. We thank him each and every week for the tunes you get to hear on this show. And uh, so make sure you go over to his page, check out uh, some of his stuff, maybe buy a song or two on his SoundCloud and uh, support the guy. So can I just say too, real quick on that note? And I hate to keep I'm sorry, I keep interrupting. Um, But uh, one of the biggest compliments I hear about our podcast outside of the material that we cover is people love the intro music. Uh, I do, too. (laughs) I I know we both do. That's one of the reasons why we use it. But outside of like the show and, and how we cover everything, one of the other biggest compliments we get is the is the intro music. And that's all. Thanks to George Shaw. Yeah, we'll have to make sure we pass that on to him. So, all right. Uh, um. So that is that is it. So yeah, let's uh, uh let's get yeah, out. Let's here. let's get out of here so I can edit and you can get some rest. Um. But yeah, uh, special thanks to all of you guys in particular for continuing to be a part of the community. Thank you for listening. Thank you for subscribing. Thank you for commenting. For download uh, downloading. Um. For commenting, liking. Everything that you do, uh, thank you for just being a part of this community. It means so much to it. We ask that you share this with people that you know who might also be fans as well. Uh, but next week, we continue on episode three of all the, sh- of all the shows. Uh, but until that time, we'll see you guys around the bend. Take care. Peace. Peace.